There has never even been a tribe discovered that did not have song. There were in some cases, in some tribes uh, in the beginning of the 20th century there, down around Tierra del Fuego, as far as I can remember, they didn't even have a developed language, but they had, they had, within what language they had, they had song. There, there is something um, primeval in us. Um, you know, that there is something that, in my belief, that is basically deep in the human psyche, in, 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 in where we, we find it uh, soothing on one hand, but then again, song can be used to store up other feelings as well as in, you know, battle songs and things like that. But there is, we find some resolution when we express things melodically, be they in song or be they in music. Do you like songs? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I like some songs. It's, it doesn't happen all that much anymore. I mean, there are people like Marla Anya Donacha singing Una One, which would literally make the hair stand on the back of my neck. But that can be, it can be done for me by jazz. It can be done for me by classical music. Uh, I would work all day long at song here. And unfortunately, I'm way behind in writing several articles of the deadlines of which have long disappeared and uh, working on them. But at night, if I'm relaxing, it's probably it'll be listening to other musics just to just just to make a natural break. But if I go out living in Milltown Malby, the chances are um, if I go anywhere, it'll be traditional music I'll be hearing. I love Wagner. I have videos and uh, CDs of all his operas. Not being a religious man myself in the slightest, but I, I do have a, I collect a lot of masses. Uh, I just like that as an as an art format. Other people like Chopin. Then again, there's uh, so many people in jazz that I'm fond of. We could say that uh, Dara Bon is a fine singer, a very fine singer. Then I listen to Shania Twain is a terrific singer as well. You know, I think a good good singers are good singers. Eh? In the answer to it yet, song still 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 does it for me. Not all the time, not as much as it used to, but it, it's 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 still there. It's still the one art form that probably gives me most satisfaction. Come on, then we'll have a cup of coffee and then I'll I'll try and pick some out. Yeah, no. This time, then I'll sing on Lord Levitt. On that one. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom Lennon was. Yeah, maybe we start with Tom singing, because he was one of the ones there that probably had. I mean, you're probably aware I I did a book on Tom and. Uh, He's here on a CD. I don't know what the quality of the CD is like, though. So it's just a friend of ours who we're going to meet tonight who has done a pirate job. <laughs> <laughs> you better edit that bit out of you. <laughs> a good pirate. I suppose we put it out in the first place. We can't pirate ourselves. He actually did it. Uh, he he put these together for us as a, as a present. 
because these were on cassette originally. So is it number two? Yeah, two two. Lord Levitt, yeah. He stood at his stable door, and he mounted his snow white steed. Mary and sweet bell stood by his side, oh. but to bid him his last God speed. Mary and sweet bell stood by his side, but to yeah, bid him his last God yeah, speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. As I said, no, if that's too loud, then no, no. Uh, that's, you know, Tom Denham, a man, well, a great singer, not just a good singer, a great singer. And, and a lovely man too. That's it, he was a great friend of ours. One of the most obliging people you would ever meet anywhere. A man who didn't know what sort of a repertoire he had himself. Because when I visited him first, about 1972 it was, and began recording, two weeks before Tom went into the hospital when he died, we were still making out plans for what we would record. Um, he... Every time you think you had all of Tom's material, you went back and there was there was more. Himself and Margaret, his wife, they were a great company. She was a she was a great devil in slagging you. I do remember that for a start, and I was a bit disconcerted at the beginning, but I got used to it in the, in the end. Um, so you can hear there with Tom singing Lord Levitt. He had songs that were very ancient. He had songs, some that he made up himself, mainly children's songs, um, but literally songs for every occasion. And in his long life, he was saying to me, we were driving back from Ennis about three weeks before he died. And he sang a song, Lone Shanachail, that I usually associated with Mikey Flanagan. And I said to Tom, I didn't know you knew that, Tom. And he turned and said to me, I didn't know I knew it either. <laughs> because he had such a lively mind. I think that he was still, he was still absorbing songs even then. And I told you before about him, he'd help himself go to sleep by reciting the songs to himself over and over again. That's right. And I was around the Lambert as well. When he was working, he'd, he'd be singing away to himself while he was working, if he was feeding cattle or whatever he was doing outside. He'd be singing away to himself, you know. And in a way, I'm so aware that it's sacrilegious to be talking over singing like that, but it's just so good. And he is one of these sing singers too, you say at the beginning, ah, he's a nice simple style, but there is so much more in it. You listen and you listen, you listen again. His ability to get a song across, that's what he had. 
he receded into this plane when he sang. Not that he ignored the audience. He would give out his song. He would pass it out. And it was up to you to come in to his, into the plane that he's operating on. He would never hire his voice. He'd never lower his voice. He'd never sing faster or quicker for effect or anything. He, like a good storyteller, here is the story. It's up to you to take it. Modern singers now feel they have to wave their arms around. They have to sing high and low, use vibrato. This is just plain singing. And I use the word plain as a huge term of praise. I suppose in the end, in choosing between performer and song, in the, the give a good politician's answer, it depends. Um, sometimes you can get a beautiful performance of a lousy song or a lousy performance of a beautiful song. Um, the The scales would have to go down in relation to the performer. Now, songs may uh, be a great, a great excitement to me. Um, now, back to that man we were talking about earlier on, John Riley. When he sang that song, The Well Below the Valley, that's called in the child collection, The Maid and the Palmer. The Palmer is a pilgrim. Um, when I heard him singing that, I knew that song hadn't been documented in 200 years. Seven lines in 1803, as far as I can remember, were the last time any note of it had been made. Um, and then when John Riley sang it for me, I was very excited about it. But um, the song meant nothing to John. He didn't, he didn't think anything about it at all. Um, the song that meant more to John was the two little orphans. The, the tearjerker, two little orphans, a boy and a girl. And uh, that meant so much to John that he could never get through it. He was just always got so full of emotion that he broke down in tears halfway through it each time. So you tell me which is the most important song there. You see that that now it's 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 all strokes, different strokes for different folks. Um, as I say, that the the well below it's it's thank God it's very well known. Now I, I obviously uh, pass it on to Christy Moore, who made as far as it's concerned a fine job uh, of it. Um, the only thing I, that that I didn't like about it was when Phil Coulter um, copyrighted. <laughs> Uh, these are things you live with, I suppose, as well. But, uh, but no, no, they, they, no matter how beautiful a song is, or uh, no matter how 
um, historically important there is you can't become friends with a song you can't you, you may sing it with a few points but you can't go out for a few points with it um, no in, in, in the end the individual yeah, always wins out yeah so okay right we'll settle for a performance <laughs> Bell, but the Lord above me save my soul from Porton and hell at the well below the valley. Oh, green grows the lily. Oh, right among the bushes. Oh. It's hard for us to um, nowadays to take in just how much songs were a part of everyday life. Quite literally, everything you did was accompanied by song. Now, this is a song, you have to remember, it's a, it's a different context because nowadays people are inclined to think of song as performance. This was just quite a natural thing you did. Outside of, job, of jobs that were accompanied by song, just working every day. And a great example of that would be in the film that Davy Hammond made about Sarah Maycom. It's just called Sarah Maycom. And... Um, he had to abandon his modus operandi, first of all, in getting her sitting down talking um, and then going around doing house tasks and whatever. She said herself that she just couldn't uh, sing unless she was working. So she's washing flowers and peeling spuds and things like that, and the songs are coming naturally to her. But she, but she, she couldn't sing out of context. They, 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 it, it, it really is a great example of um, how natural it was. Um, you'll get accounts in 19th century travellers again there too, talking about the great silence that settled in after the famine. Because people working in the fields, uh, everywhere they went, in every field you'd hear singing coming from it. I mean, this is not to say that everybody was joyously happy all the time. It's just, this is what you did. Um, but probably one of the, the most um, vivid examples I've seen of how ingrained song can be. A man I recorded down in Wexford, a man with a marvellous name of uh, Edmund Quizzer Horror. And he lived with his sister, both of them a good age. I went in one morning, well, it was about half eleven, and um, Quizzer was still in bed. And his sister said she'd go in and wake him up. And she went into the bedroom um, and came back out and she says, come here, listen, watch this, you know. She brought me in. Quizzer was fast asleep in bed and singing to himself. I still remember that it was a very rare song, by the way, The Lady Leroy. Um, it turns up in a number of English collections. They're quite rare over here. But uh, to be actually singing in your sleep. Yet a, a, a lot of people like Tom Lennon, a great singer from around this area, and another great singer, Martin Reedy, from beyond Mount Callan there. And a number of other people told me there, particularly as they got old, that they... Um, would lie in bed at night and when they couldn't sleep they'd try and remember the songs just as the equivalent of counting sheep there but they they would just um go through the verses of the songs until they dropped off
Well, that's another very natural use for song as well. And he was a lovely man, and he used to, I think, he used to just get totally absorbed. Martin Howley. That's Martin Howley. A man from up in Fenor. That song, that version of in a complete version, has only been collected from Martin and from Katie Droney, who was his uh, cousin. And I learned a lesson. I've used it several times in talking to students from Martin. I learned a lesson in my own arrogance. Um, Martin, he, um, I recorded many songs from Martin, and he would say, but I'll sing you the old armchair, I'll sing you the old armchair. I said, not now, Martin, maybe the next time. I was thinking of the Walton song, How They Tittered, How They Laughed, the, the old musical song. Granny has left you her old, old armchair. armchair, you know, that one. So he sang, eventually when I got him, he sings this thing, you know, and couldn't bloody well believe it. Um, that's another one of these child ballads. That's, as I said, only in Fenora has it been collected in a full version like that. And, uh, but instead of singing the opening line about the old armchair, he sings uh, Lady Margaret was sitting in her old armchair, which is a corruption of the standard opening. Lady Margaret was sitting in her bower fair. Um, because I nearly lost something extremely valuable just by not listening enough to the singer and you know and letting my own opinions override things. And that's a good while since I've learned that lesson, but I've never forgotten it. Dress them all up in a scarlet of red, Katie gone, that's Martin gone, that's, that's the song gone. I brought up the Niagara to record that. Uh, 
gives us a moment to buy that and use it and uh, that's one of the things I learned recently, comparatively recently, when I w went online for the first time, that's not ter terribly long ago, three or four years ago. And it's more than that. More than okay. Mm -hmm. There is nothing worse than coming home from pubs, switching on your machine <laughs> and going to Amazon. <laughs> And the, then about two or three weeks later, this stuff arrives in the post, and you've only a vague memory of. And you have to, <coughs> you have to pay for it. Yes, you do. <laughs> but it's um, I just still get so so much satisfaction out of it. Um, don't play first. Don't play so much in the car. I mainly listen to radio in the car. No. Um, Sometimes if we're on a long journey. Um, he'd play, uh, he'd play uh, a CD, you know, especially on a, a Saturday or Sunday. If it was all sport on the radio, ah, that's well, we have lyric. We have lyric now, yes. I suppose, yeah. But um, and he also had when I first met him, he had a a, a huge interest in American old timey music. In fact, we had our first big row over American old timey music because I remember saying to him, you know. Well, you're interested in American old timey, and I'm interested in Irish music. This will never work. <laughs> and do you remember where that was? <laughs> in Dunboyne? No, the flan in Oscarton. Oh, that's <laughs> right, yeah. And we did have a very big row that yeah. weekend. Well, you had, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've learned to tolerate each other. Well, he's the one who ended up working in Irish music, not me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I don't think there's anybody that Annette likes that I don't like. Huh? No. We we have... It's a sort of house where anything, any kind of good music is appreciated, really, mm -hmm. you know. Even although uh, um, Tommy has a great fondness for Wagner's ring cycle. Oh. So that's a that's that has to be a very solitary thing because I'm not into Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> but oh. he loves it. Well, I'll try to bring her in on the easy end, like Parsifal or something like that, you know. But uh, and what was the one that we went to see the the Flying Dutchman? Yes, they're fleegly holiday. Yes, and the <laughs> lovely the set, production. It was lovely, and the music was lovely. But the sets, everything in the set was black or grey, <laughs> you know, and it was so depressing. It really was. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where we went to see that. The, the it's Flying the gaiety, Dutchman. of course. In the gaiety, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. He was a a black um, Dutchman. I can't remember. He was excellent. I can't remember his he was name. An excellent singer. Yeah. yeah, he really was. And the whole thing was. It mm. was. I mean, it was lovely. But it was just. I said to him when we came out. You know, I said, "Do they not believe in putting color into like is Wagner all black and grey and mm. <laughs> you know there's there's no color in it at all really." Except oh. for the flames in the background. For light relief, you had the flames. Of hell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot to uh, tell you. That. That's a photograph. That's the. That's John Riley. And that's an were A little younger then. Whoa. Probably about 1964, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's 40 years ago. Yeah. 
When we were young. <laughs> and we thought John was awful old. And John would have been, and he used to say to us that he was 39, and we, we used to laugh, you know. And he died when he was 43. Because he was such, he looked to us like an old man. Yes. But um, actually, he wasn't that old, but he was just that the, he, had a, he lived an awful hard life, you know. And um, I'd say that was the reason. He looked so old. He was very weather-beaten. But then he lived in a derelict house, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Long since bored the stairs, the girl. Yeah. You must have been able to hear his character in his voice, were you? In terms of being weather-beaten. Yeah. <sighs> no, actually, his, his voice was bright. Uh, well, he has in the raggle-taggle gypsy there. He, there's, there's, there's great life in that singing. Sort of development in him when yeah. he was singing the regular Tegel Gypsy. You know. It's lovely. Maybe. He had a lot of. Actually, sometimes when you listen to Tom Lenehan singing, mm-hmm. uh, he had a, a, his singing was very similar to Tom's, wasn't it? In a lot of ways. You know, yeah, that so much the same timbre. And it was the cry all around our door. She's away with the raggle taggle gypsy oh. It was late last night when the Lord came in, inquiring for his lady oh. And the serving girls took from hand to hand. She's away with the raggle taggle gypsy. Unfortunately, I came in at the end of the useful uh, days of useful collections. But when this project for collecting was started in 1971, um, there were two other collectors. Sean Corcoran, who would collect in Louth, and uh, Michal O'Donnell, who was collecting in Donegal. Now, Sean only had three months to collect in the smallest county in Ireland. And he recorded an unbelievably fine collection of old ballads in County Loud in that period of three months. Most people were quite advanced in age. Within 15 years of that collection being done, there were probably not three of the singers left alive. So they were there just at the last gasp of that and he got it recorded that was such an important collection but that gives you an example of how quickly a tradition that, that may have been there for hundreds of years can go but now there were only um, there are so few collectors all the time and there's only certain areas that that that, that you can physically get around to um, I used to be on the road for say six weeks at a time and but as you get older you just don't have the stamina anymore well I don't and um, you wonder all the time at the amount of um, pockets that you have passed where they may be and you see and you're, when you're walking in an area of un- very often I would quite literally stick a pin in a map and head there and s- let's see what I can find here um, 
most of the time I'd have leads, but sometimes you would look at areas and try and build up some sort of geographical spread of areas that have been collected in. You say, no, practically nothing has been done over there. And I suppose one example was I decided that nothing had been done around Delphi uh, in Mayo, so I headed off there. And the reason there were no songs collected there, I found out that there seems to be only sheep living there. You know? <laughs> but uh, you, you wonder about all the opportunities you've missed. One of the finest things I ever collected, a man by the name of Straity Flanagan, Michael Straity Flanagan, was from uh, Ina, um, just 10 miles from us here. He was recorded by Sharon Smokbohuna as well. But uh, I went there into Ina on a number of occasions. And I was asking around, and the name of Straty never came up, even though he was the in Garvey's pub when I went. He was the nearest house to it, about five hundred yards away. It just happened. You see, you 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 may go in, and you'll ask, and the person that you ask may not have a clue anyway. So that's a matter of luck always. At the beginning, I used to always try and root out the oldest person in the area, but that soon discovered that was a complete waste of time. And I used to try school teachers, and I said that was very much hit or miss as well. So it was just sometimes literally just cold calling on doors, which sometimes worked. could be very tedious. could be met with a gun or a slash hook as well, you know. Which would just happened as well. But um, very more, far more often you were, you were met with, with welcome. So you never put pressure on people uh, in a situation like that. You just talk, I say, I heard you knew something about songs. That's if you had a lead. And pe people, if they had songs, would very seldom de deny it. They might say they hadn't got time to sing or they were too busy or they, or they didn't want to. Um, but per per always the person with a large repertoire of songs almost um, inevitably they were willing to sing practically at any time because songs were their interest. And what does it matter if your art form isn't continued? Um, oh, it matters a great deal, but that's only on, on, a, on a pair. Um, the, I do think there that it's... Um, take Lord Bateman, that song we mentioned there that John sang, that Christy Moore sings the John's version as well. But that song, it's about Gilbert Abeckett, Thomas Abeckett's father. So what century does that bring us back into? The 11th century? Not sure, but not very far from it. So that was, first of all, we know that that, that existed as a recited epic. And it, 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 it developed uh, into a song. And now, if you think, if you take that the lineage, that song has been sung for getting on a thousand years in one for our, the song or the epic has been you know transferred. People found it exciting. People thought it worth their attention, and to be discarding so much, it really is baby bath water the whole lot, and it's um by the fact that people are losing the milieu. They, too, are losing, not just, um, we were talking about access to the, to, to, to the collections, people are losing the ability of access to these art forms because they are becoming more and more 
alien to them. And there is so much sheer satisfaction, sheer artistic joy to be found in that, that it would be, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it really would be a, a terrible loss and uh, extremely sad for all our, uh, I mentioned English history there, but for all our histories. There's so much of us, the people of Ireland, the people of Europe, wrapped up in these songs there that to, to lose contact with that would be a tragedy. You've had a very, very exciting life through collecting songs. Well, not yet, you know, but it's... Well, you did have, yeah, you did yeah, have in the early days. Not over yet, anyway. Oh, not over. No, but... We well, had some funny experiences in our time. As we were saying there, that we have met some of the nicest people that ever trod this planet. No, oh, we've been very lucky. Uh, we've met lovely people, gorgeous people. From uh, Eddie Butcher from McGilligan up in the tip of Derry, you know. To Sean O'Callaghan on Clare Island. You know. Yes, and down to Cape Clear. And, mm -hmm. you know, from one oh, end sorry, of the country. Sorry, I meant to say country, Cape Clear, yeah. One, one end of the country to the other, you know. And we have met beautiful people, mm -hmm. lovely people. And we have great memories, mm -hmm. you know. And there's a great fellowship among people, especially people who sing, you know. Mm -hmm. And you'll always meet them, and it's quite you. You wouldn't imagine it's a, it's a small community, and yet everywhere you go that they're singing, you meet the same people again and again. Mm. You know, uh, so we are quite. Well, a, it used to be a larger circle. It was larger, but a lot of them, and that world really that we that you uh, inhabited when you recorded all those singers, that's mm -hmm. largely gone now, isn't it? It is largely gone. You get the few people who are performers, and whereas before, I suppose you had nearly everybody could sing a song, and most people did, and you know there were like there was a great interest in in learning songs, you know, and you'd meet all these older people who had hundreds of songs. So maybe they didn't all have hundreds of songs, but they all had a repertoire, and they could all sing a few songs, and they'd get involved and they'd say, "I'll sing one." You, you don't get that now. People don't volunteer, no. really, you know. You might get the odd person then who'd say, oh, no, 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 and you'd have to persuade them, you know. <laughs> as long as people can sing, they will sing, but it, the, um, it won't be with the same imagination. It'll be with the fodder they're provided with. They won't be making up a song after every football game or row in the parish or whatever is, that is was, going on. They were the ones, the local songs were what kept the singing thing going and the, you know, the local tradition. And particularly and a I, good old bit of malice. And yeah. God knows from the part of the country that you're from, Liam, you certainly know all about that and the songs of Johnny Nora A. And all that. <laughs> so people, well, you'll always find people with individuals. Now, I would never give up hope. You may now and again sort of lie down under it and say, well, I've been at it long enough now. And if people want to learn songs, Christ, I've recorded about 20,000 of them that are there for them. Yes, <laughs> that's true. And if that isn't enough, they can get their own. <laughs> or they could write their own. Yep. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah. Now and again, you do get someone will uh, kind of, like people like Confather uh, O'Driscoll okay. from Cork, you know. Who writes songs about, you know, all sorts of things. At the drop of a hat, and he's yeah. brilliant. And it's it's lovely, it's great to hear it, you know. 
Sean Mullen up in what county is it? Uh, He's from Cady, isn't he? Oh, Cady, Cady County Armagh. Yeah. Another brilliant songwriter. And um, there, there are still some people around. Um, I don't know if Farrakhan still writes songs uh, in Irish and in English. And the Lord of Mercy under Nora Clear, he used to write songs. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm. for a very small local consumption, yeah. It was, and yeah. she'd write songs about anything, like, you know. Mm. She might, she said, actually, when we were going back to Dublin at one stage, uh, when we lived in Dublin, she'd say, um, I'll write a song about your visit to the house now. Oh. Why don't you try singing uh, a couple of verses of Drum Holligan Bottoms or sing it all for him oh. and let him use it if he if he. If yeah, but you okay. don't sing it. Huh? No, but you sing it. Because that has the internal rhyming and yeah. everything in it. It's completely up to you yourself, Tom. I don't want to put you under any kind of pressure. Right. Yeah, I'll, go I'll have a go at it, but be prepared to scrap, you know. <laughs> it's a song that I heard, a, a bit of it on a recording, the folk songs of Britain that was published in the 1960s on the Caveman and the Topic label, sung by a marvellous singer from Drumrahal in near Mohill in County Leitrim. Uh, I got a, a bit of it from that recording, but I then went to record his son, uh, Michael Moran, living oh, in his house. Who's the, who's the original singer? <coughs> One summer's evening, while at my leisure for sport and pleasure, I being bound for fun, I searched the fields and the mossy hills where the pinion yields to my dog and gun. Those charms of nature they were engaging, the grouse and pheasant flew on wearing wing. Down by yon bramble, where I do ramble, where the blackbird whistles and the thrushes sing. My heart increasing with animation in perambulation, I went on my way. I felt no harm till I was alarmed by those bloody vipers that an ambush lay. Those low-life coolies they called the police. From Thorna here, if they came with speed, with preparation and combination for to have me taken, they were all agreed. Uh, it's a funny thing. Um, although I work all the time at singing, I enjoy listening to singers, but I don't enjoy singing anymore myself. Two things. One, my memory is very faulty nowadays. And ever since I had that brain operation, there's something that tells me I am not in pitch all the times. On the few occasions I've been persuaded to sing, people have said that that was pitched properly. But it's no good to you if while you're singing, you keep telling yourself, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. It takes the enjoyment out of it altogether. And even though I never uh, rated myself or had any reason to rate myself as a singer, uh, I, I do miss the enjoyment that I got, I got out of it for so many years. But this enraged them. For to assail me, they cried, You papish, we will make you rue. 
it was over hedges and rocky ridges through swamps and sedges they did me pursue it was to my heels and then through green fields with yells and squeals they did me surround with eyes like eagles and cries like beagles but they were not able for to run me down for i being airy brisk as a fairy and i did not care for their dirty clan so i gave them leg bail to go to jail or else to sail from old Ireland. So I gained my victory throughout this country in spite of bigotry and tyrants laws. I can dance and sing, make the tap rooms ring or spend a shilling with my country boys. But there's four disorders still on our borders our patron saint he forgot to kill those cruel landlords likewise informers the colour of marbus and polis men lovely, nice. lovely, lovely. Oh, That's one of the sad things when you're working with, you've always been working with older people. You get to go to an awful lot of funerals. And that's Mount Straighty Flanagan, who I mentioned. On Christmas Day, about 20 years ago, we were burying another singer by the name of Martin Long. And we're standing at the graveside. And Straighty was saying, but he was only a youngster. And Martin was 80. <laughs> but Straighty was 91, so I presume he seemed relatively young. But as I say, you, you do get the best of